When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And uh, let's go straight to Stephen Finn, who is currently looking at me down his camera on his Zoom call. And he is wearing, well, a, a beanie hat, a Sussex sort of gilet number. Is that a gilet? Has that got sleeves? No, basically, it's a nice, nice little gilet number, yeah. Basically, he's wrapped up very, very warm. Now, I'm also in a, a hoodie in several layers. Are you doing what I'm doing in this cost of living crisis of trying to wear warm clothes around the house? Yeah, well, I mean, I did just dash through the door from training. I was at training this morning, so dashed straight through the door and straight onto the Zoom call with you boys. But yeah, it is, it is a little bit cold down here on the South Coast, and um, I'm certainly feeling it, even though I'm indoors. Is this only your second South Coast winter? So you're getting used to Well, these. technically first, really. I didn't move down here till mid-January, late mid to late January. So... Um, so yeah, I, it's sort of the first November and December that I'm going to have had in Brighton. I am right on the seafront, and you certainly get battered by the elements. Yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful in the sunshine, but uh, in winter there is a reason that people don't go down to the south coast for about six months a year. Now, Daniel Norcross, who a man who really every cold snap could be his last at his age. How are you coping in this current climate? <laughs> Well, I'm absolutely hating every minute of it, of course. I mean, mercifully, I didn't get back to England until the 16th of November. So I missed I missed half of the worst month of the year. It is by far and away the worst month of the year. I'll brook no argument on that. Anybody who tries to suggest that January is worse is an idiot. It's dark, it's cold, but it's getting darker and colder. It's also not actually technically winter. It's still autumn. But uh, the fixtures have come out, so we'll talk about that, I've no doubt. That brings a little bit of cheer and uh, tomorrow is December the first, and December ranks uh, uh, from memory. I think I, I think it's the uh, fifth or fourth worst month of the year. How's it go? November, January, February, October, December. Yeah, that's the, it's the fifth worst month because you actually. Well, get how's how's December worse than October? Uh, no, 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 no. no sorry, no, how's October, October worse than December? Sorry. 
Well, because December's got some fun in it, hasn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not so much of a Grinch. There's Christmas has its has its moments. You go out, you see people, you have like parties, you go and have elaborate long lunches at Rick Stein's in Barnes. You, um, <laughs> you spend a lot specific. of money on expensive food. Oh yeah, I mean, it's I, always a tradition in Christmas. I always meet up with non-crickety people that I haven't seen for most of the year and eat really lovely food. And then the TV's all right as well, isn't it? There's, there's halfway decent TV. Whereas October, October is like that's the end of the season. You are being sucked hideously into the vortex of winter via autumn, which is the most foul and depressing of all the seasons with its decay and mulch and horribleness that creates like lung problems. I've been coughing my guts up for the last two weeks. I've got my Ventolin inhaler near to hand. Do you know, I haven't had a drink because I'm on these vicious antibiotics for a week. And something has happened to me that, I mean, this is going to be a bit crude. So a slight, slight trigger warning for all those who find this is a worry. Considering some of the things you've said on this podcast that have never come with a warning. I shudder to think yeah. what's about to leave your mouth. Well, okay. I mean, I was, I, I thought long and hard about whether to share this, but I was so shocked by it. Um, a couple of days ago, something happened to me that hadn't happened to me since I was about 17 which is that I did such a firm poo that I got splashback. I, I have not had splashback from the bottom of the loo for 36 years, I reckon. It was truly extraordinary. I don't know how you guys cope. And that's all because I haven't had a drink. I haven't had a drink in a week. It's sending me moderately crazy. Um, I, don't, I haven't had actual DTs, which surprised me. But I have been grumpy. And um, the only thing that's got me through it is uh, the adaptation of a Jack Reacher novel on Amazon Prime, which um, has been quite diverting. Other can, than that, I'm, I'm angry. How can anyone recognise those symptoms in you? You're you're grumpy, and 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 slightly loopy. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to notice a change in you there. I don't. <laughs> if, if, if that's what we're meant to be looking out for as signs, I'm going to struggle to the, discern any difference from your usual demeanour. I'll be honest with you. Well, well I haven't been able to laugh. I haven't been able to laugh at the news for a week. I mean, that's the, the whole point about self-medication is that you know you can get through life, can't you, with a bit of um, jollity and fun. And now the stark realities of the human race is catapulting towards its own early demise is uh, coming home to roost. Well, what a cheery start to what's meant to be a cricket podcast. And to our few listeners that do tune in, I'm sure they'll now be reaching for a stiff drink with the image of you having your first splashback in over 30 years. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, Norcross. Um, now, you mentioned it, that the county season, the fixtures are out, so at least we can fantasise about the return of proper cricket a few months down the line. And Finney, you must be delighted because... Um, this county season seems to be starting earlier and earlier all the time. So you must be looking forward very much to playing cricket right at the start of April. Yeah, it's always, especially, I didn't realise down here that first week of April, Christ, it's cold. It's bloody hard work pulling up in between spells. Yeah, it, it is crazy to even fathom thinking about playing cricket in seven or eight degrees. In the beginning of April, it feels a long way off now, but I'm sure once... Christmas comes and then we get into the new year. It'll end up coming around quite quickly and I'll be glad that I'm out there, I'm sure. Yep, yeah, 6th of April. You're at home to Durham. Hmm. I'll be having my 34th birthday two days before that. So that'll be a nice um, a nice birthday present for me. Now that feels, you... it, feels, it feels like it might be the earliest county championship start. I mean, they've 
played against the universities and that before then. But the sixth, I thought the eighth was pretty much the earliest said done before. So the sixth is absolutely brutal, well, we've definitely but... we've definitely played on my birthday before on the fourth of April. Right. A, a county championship match. Yeah, championship on the fourth of April, yeah. Right, that is that's that's nasty. That is nasty. But what what does happen though, because I've been checking out the numbers on this, is that it doesn't actually rain as much in April. It's mm, just it's that just it's freezing, freezing cold. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, oh, we all know that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what's even worse about it because of course it means you have to play through the freeze. Mm. I'm sure that cheered you up no end, Finney. Thanks for that, Norcross. Well, it doesn't rain, it's just absolutely freezing. Um now obviously you'll be out celebrating on your birthday in April. But um, you've been you've been celebrating last night, Finney. You've you've ended up in another student bar in Brighton. I mean, Finney, you said it yourself. You turned thirty four in a few months. You need to stop hanging out in student bars. People are going to start talking. Well, I think that's one of the perils of playing for Sussex at the moment is that the next oldest person in the team is twenty three. Um, so, like a chameleon, I like to fit into my environment and. Um, that just so means that when I go and have a beer, it more often than not has to be done where students are allowed in because a lot of the boys are 19, 20 years old. So, I mean, I've got, I've been putting moisturizer on my skin. My wrinkles aren't too bad. I've shaved my hair off. So I've got no grays. Oh, um, yeah, it's even so, yeah. shorter than last week that's even shorter than it was. Yeah. I, I went down to a four on the top and one on the sides now. So, and my hairline's looking remarkably strong. So, yeah, all positive over here. You look I mean, kind of young, but you look young. The in, yeah, but you see, you look you look young in the way that, you know, pictures of people who are dragged into chain gangs because they made terrible errors in their teens look yeah. young. Well, I do. Or, or I do press ganged into the, into the Navy. Do you know what I mean? I, I do tend to look critically ill when I cut my hair this short. But, yeah, I'm sort of just about bumbling through. I mean, I guess the good news is, Finney, is that all the students in a student bar, they're not going to recognise you. A few years ago, you couldn't have walked into a student bar without being mobbed, but now you're very safe in there. No, when I was playing for England, they were about nine years old. So, yeah, <laughs> no chance they were watching cricket on the TV yeah. 10 years ago. Well, You'll I mean, they, they pro they're probably telling you that, you know, the guys that you used to play against 10, 12 years ago, bowled powder puff, and they were only like 75 miles an hour, really. No, I'm gonna. Nonsense. I played in the quickest era of um of cricket. It's only on the decline now. So, um, I was mm. fortunate enough to have played when cricket was at its absolute peak, um, and naturally now it's on the on the way back down. I I do think I do think you know when I watch back old clips of that World Cup where Brett Lee was bowling at 98 and Shy Bakhtar was bowling at 100. I'm not sure about the speed guns back then. The more and more I think about Finney's alleged 93 miles an hour in an England shirt, the more I think that that was a bit of a you know that was a dodgy bit of kit yeah. in hindsight. Well, there's, 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 there's Wayne, Wayne Parnell has actually been um, clocked at 108 miles an hour during Finney's era. Well, didn't Lauren Bell got clocked last year at 175 miles an hour? Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look, all right. She bent her back. All right, it was an effort ball. All right, <laughs> credit where credit's due. When she wants to, but you know, she just thinks the bright, no... bright prospect, bright prospect, that girl. <laughs> <laughs> if they can harness that for uh, for six balls and over, they've got a talent on their hands. There, or could get up, could get up to two hundred miles an hour, which is yeah. obviously that's the that's the figure that everybody's striving for. That's the mecca, isn't it? That's what we're all looking <laughs> yeah. forward to. Is the two hundred mile an hour Laura Bell delivery? I think that's the one that we all want to see before before the decade is out. We should talk about cricket because um, there is a good chance that we're about to see the return of Stephen Finn 
in an England shirt. There's a good chance that he will not be able to go to student bars anytime soon because he'll suddenly be instantly recognisable once again because there is such illness in the England camp at the time of recording that surely Finney has never been closer to an England call-up in years. The, the whole England team has got a virus in Pakistan at the time of recording. They're talking about postponing the first test. Uh, obviously, that may now be an out-of-date sentence, depending on what happens in the next 12 hours or so. But Finney, you've just gone about 15 names up the pecking order. Yeah, well, it was the plan all along. I mean, I, I've been taken down by Shigella in Pakistan before, and it was not pleasant. I had to deal with it all the way home uh, on the flight. And it was, yeah, not a pleasant experience. I'm feeling for the boys, but it's a good job I'm not there with the BBC, actually. Otherwise, I might actually be in serious danger of mm. getting a call up to play a test match. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm on the WhatsApp group, obviously, because I'm going out there on the 13th. And uh, yeah, Aggers has uh, been trying to source his whites. Um, Vic Marks, his last three innings in Pakistan were all half centuries. There's a chance that he'll probably get the nod before anybody else. He also bowls a bit of spin, don't forget, which may or may not be handy. Um, Andy Zaltzman, useful left-handed bat and wicketkeeper, because they're going to need a keeper. No one's going to want to squat with a virus no. like that too often. In whites. <laughs> no, it could be a bit awkward. It's very much wind, toss and bat, although it was always very much wind, toss and bat. But it's a little bit disappointing, the news coming through, which seems to be that um, it'll probably be okay, actually. And that uh, Joe Root had the same virus and he recovered very quickly. So he was in the nets. Today, that's the day before the, the game was due to happen. But but um, Rob Key did do some batting practice in the Nets today. So you never know. And there's Marcus Treskothic out there as well as Brendan McCullum, I think would be awkward owing to the fact that he's not English. Uh, but Paul Collingwood's out there as well. So there are potential fielders, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to say, but then as, as soon as you see Nassim Shah and, and a couple of the other fellas winding up at 90 or miles an hour, you'd be thinking, I'm, I'm ill as well. I'm, I'm ill. <laughs> you, just, you just have to shit yourself just to make a point, even though you feel absolutely fine. You just, Rob, I could just, as soon as I saw Nassim Shah at the top of his mark, I'd just squeeze a shit out and say, oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> That's to be the wrong consistency. As I keep on, as this this whole podcast has become about the wrong consistency of defecation. <laughs> well, we found our title for this week's pod, at least. <laughs> I think we found our working title anyway. Um, and now the other name, obviously, that's closer to an England call up with this illness is 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 Stevo Darren Stevens. I mean, that as a man, mm. I'd imagine at his age, I'd imagine that there's he's probably got built-in immunity to every single disease the world can throw at him. So if you need a man with an iron stomach to go out in Pakistan and and deliver, I think this is the time yeah. to give Steve-O the long overdue call-up, really. And it, it swings a bit as well at Warwick Roll, Pindy, mm. uh, especially especially given the um, the forecast, which is that it's going to be a little bit cooler. I mean, not not cold-cold, but, but cool enough to make it sort of swing a little bit, perhaps. A little bit cloudy here and there. It's further north, of course. But the other thing to look out for, kids, if you are thinking that the game is going to go on until sort of, you know, half 10, 11 o'clock your time back in England, um, I've seen how dark it gets at 4.49. Why on earth are they playing in midwinter? <laughs> and unfortunately, the way the earth moves around the sun, it doesn't really change from decade and millennium to millennium. So um, I imagine bad light is going to take hold quite early we're getting it's gonna be one of those frustrating series each day incidentally did you know it's five and a half hours not six hours so i'm guessing 83 overs in the day 
and they never get anywhere near 90 overs in a day normally. Um, and the extra half hour is going to be overwhelmed by darkness. So expect 75 over days on a flat track. That's going to be quite a hard work, I think. Well, it was already shaping up to be a lot of drawn test matches in this series anyway, and uh, it's not looking any brighter now. Uh, let's talk about the England lineup if play does go ahead tomorrow, which it sounds like it will, although I'm absolutely gutted because I was very much looking forward to seeing some of those names you mentioned donning their whites once again. But um, an exciting team. We've got Ben Duckett at the top of the order, which I guess is partly to do with his performances uh, in the T20s against Spin just before the Ashes, uh, but, sorry, before the T20 World Cup in Australia. Um, and also the fact that this new Bazball era seems to lend itself to players like Ben Duckett, who can play their shots, and also Liam Livingston, who is in line to make his test debut. Again, I don't think he would have got into the test side at any point under Joe Root and the previous coach, but suddenly under Stokes and McCullum, there's a space for Liam Livingston in this squad. Now, I'd like to point out that I've been banging on about how brilliant Sam Curran is since we started recording this podcast, and he's just been player of the tournament at the World T20. I've been banging on about Liam Livingston having to go in the test side, and he's now been called up to the test side. So despite both of your expertise, I'm clearly the knowledgeable one here in this trio. And I think Liam Livingston's going to be a fantastic test cricketer. I really do. I don't think just in Pakistan. I like the cut of his jib. There's a little bit of arrogant KP about the time that KP broke into the test side off the back of his white ball performances. And it's an exciting team, isn't it? Finney, genuinely, when you look at that lineup, you see they've picked Jimmy Anderson aside, pretty much the fastest bowlers that they can. They've picked attacking batsmen in Duckett and Livingston. It looks like um, we're going to give a go at Basball in Pakistan, basically. Well, yeah, I think they've all come out this week, haven't they, saying that they're not going to play for a draw. They're going to look to take the game on at all times. Um, imagine being 400 for six and Liam Livingston walks in at number eight to slog them. I mean, it's a pretty terrifying prospect if you're a bowler, to be honest. And yeah, it, it looks as though they're going to attack the game head on. I think they can be quite slow, turgid tests in Pakistan. But you'd imagine with the way England played in the summer and the way they'll be looking to play now, that it could be quite an entertaining series to watch. And the team that they've picked lends itself towards that. I think the interesting thing, Dan, will be what I, I keep calling it basketball because it's a very convenient, easy phrase to say, even though I think we all agree that we're not a fan of it. But this basketball England era, what it does to Pakistan, because New Zealand, when we played them, they tried to play their own game of quite traditional test cricket. And yet, if we're going hell for leather, you can imagine that the the Pakistan lineup, which a lot of it likes playing its shots, will almost be tempted to to go toe-to-toe with England. Well, they might. They might. But then they've played a lot of cricket in Pakistan and they might think, well, if England are going to give away wickets every now and then, this is lovely because you look at the last series there against Australia, Pat Cummings, I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, he said he... he he viewed that series as a match of 45 sessions rather than three matches of five days because he had to expect that you'd go whole sessions without taking a wicket. Now, if England are prepared to go hell for leather and lose wickets, I think Pakistan might be rather delighted by that and then play their game, which will be Baba Azam batting for a day and a half. And it gives them that little bit longer to bat, actually, and still win the game, doesn't it? And, and I'm a little bit concerned about England's bowling lineup because the one they've picked, it's it's kind of assuming that Liam Livingston is playing as a second spinner, uh, almost as if for a start that you need two spinners to bowl 
slides out, whereas in Pakistan, the ball doesn't really turn a great deal. So it's relying a lot on Anderson and Robinson, who bowl, you know, 81, 82 miles an hour. Stokes on one knee, bowling himself into the ground again. Uh, Mark Wood's not playing the first game. Uh, I guess they might try and wheel him out for the second. That might be the idea, but they, they know he can't play back-to-back. So England's bowling attack looks a little bit ropey, but I guess what where you, you could be right is that if England go hell for leather, then Pakistan's batters might be a bit disoriented and then have a look at Liam Livingston and think, oh, he's got to go down, surely, and give their own wickets away. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think this is going to be quite the test of Baz Ball, um, and England might get out of trouble, as I say, because there aren't quite as many overs in the day and the pitch is so dead as a general rule. I mean, look, it might not be. Roll Pindy, there's a chance it might be a bit of a, of a result wicket there, maybe. But Karachi, I mean, you just don't you don't take wickets in Karachi. So uh, the first test is going to be so, so vital. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens, uh, if if indeed it does start on time. Because it's getting, there's such a clash of different cricketing cultures, in a way. I don't think anybody's gone to Pakistan and tried to play baseball before. So it's going to be... I mean, they even mentioned it in, in, on the Australian TV commentary today when the Australia played the West Indies and the game was mind-bogglingly dull because Australia won the toss yet again and racked up 294 for two. And they, uh, the commentators ended up talking about how England were going to approach playing in Pakistan. That was how that was how much England's approach has got into the heads We're in of their heads. people around the world. We're in their heads. Isn't We're it in their to heads. be in their heads? Yeah. But Stokes and McCollum are living rent-free at the minute in all Aussie heads, and the Ashes is still months and months away. It's oh. absolutely beautiful to see. Well, I wonder as well with the two spinners, because if England have learned their lesson from the West Indies on those horrible wickets, especially in Barbados, where Jack Leach ended up having to bowl something like 64 overs or something, whether they're just thinking maybe we'll play two spinners rather than having poor seam bowlers run in and try and take some wickets on some of this. So it'll be interesting. But it's an exciting team because not only Liam Livingston, but also Harry Brook and Ben Duckett, who I mentioned already. So it's an exciting team to see what these guys are made of. The The rise of Harry Brook continues. And Ben Duckett, Finney, it's a, it's quite a quite an arc for him, and quite a storyline for him. He said in an interview recently, he literally had forgotten how to hold a cricket bat. And now here he is back in the England fold after being kicked out of the England fold for being a bit of a silly billy a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone deserves an opportunity to learn from their mistakes, whether it's cricketing or um, social misdemeanors, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you often, I think you have to have tricky periods like that to find yourself as a player and to learn how you want to go about your cricket. And I think quite often... You see guys leave the England setup, they go away, learn more about themselves and come a second time more equipped or better equipped to be able to tackle the challenges of international cricket. And I certainly think with the setup as it is at the moment with McCullum and Stokes at the helm, certainly feels as though it's the sort of place that's going to allow people to go out there and express themselves and play with the freedom that someone like Ben Duckett will enjoy it. It actually makes me terribly jealous that I'm not good enough to be playing in an England shirt still because it it sounds and it looks as though it's great fun. I've spent a lot of time with Brendan McCullum over the years and always liked his philosophy on cricket. And I think that Ben Duckett will um, will benefit from that. I, you, I find it intriguing, though, that poor old Ben Duckett's entire test career has been as an opening bat on the Indian subcontinent, <laughs> which is... Um, I'm not quite sure how he imagined it panning out. And I was a little bit surprised, I think, 
that they didn't pick Jennings because if you go down that that team, Pope, I mean, he's not an anchor, is he? Root is, I suppose, but everybody else is a stroke player, aren't they? Brooke, Stokes, Folks is at seven, I guess, a kind of an anchor. It's quite strange to have an anchor down at seven. So I was a little bit surprised that they selected Jennings for the squad and then didn't play him as that sort of one person who might have played a kind of steady, lengthy knock. But, you know, I'd, I'd love to see uh, Ben Duckett do well. I think the difference between this time and when he opened in Bangladesh is that the pitches in Bangladesh ragged square and Mahaley Hassan was bowling off spin, so taking the ball away from poor old Duckett. On a those were shambles of wickets, those things. They were just great. They were. Yeah, they were. They, they, yeah, they, they, they genuinely were a disgrace. So, yeah, it'll be different. It'll be different for Duckett this time because he'll be facing extreme pace. But there's no, there's no Shaheen Shah Afridi of course, because of his appendicitis. So that does slightly denude their attack of that that quick left arm option. It's going to be fascinating. And also it's beautiful that England are back in Pakistan after such a long time. Now, we did get a, a direct message from a listener on Twitter. Thank you very much to the person who sent this in, whose name I've got, Mark, on Twitter, who sent us this. Um, so, Finney, I'm just going to send it to the Zero Ducks Given WhatsApp group now. But he was at the stadium in Lahore and on the on the wall is lots of signed cricket bats by Pakistan and England, okay? And it's from the series in Dubai, actually, but they've hung them up in Lahore. And he wants to know why you think you're too good to sign the cricket bat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You, can you see that, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, could, yes, him, him and Zafar Ansari. and Ansari would decided you were too big time to sign the cricket bat. Alistair Cook, Ben Stokes, James Anderson, Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Josh Butler, Mark Wood... You know, Moeen Ali, Stuart Broad. I don't want to be unkind, Finney, but, you know, arguably greater cricketers than you all took the time out of their day to sign this bat. And yet you and Zafran Sari decided that it was beneath you. Why do you think that was? I can't work out what series that is, whether that's a one-day series or a test match series. No, it's a test. The 22nd to the 26th of October, 2015. It says it quite clearly at the bottom. Uh, do you know why? I, oh, yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> um, it's um... Well, this is the first time Philly's ever actually probably looked at this back because he obviously refused to look at it when it was shown to him at the time. Well, I'll tell you what, I was actually on my way home with a stress fracture through the ball of my foot then in a protective boot. And I must oh. have... I was in the original squad... I actually bowled really well in the warm-up game and Trevor Bayliss was like, you're in for the test match. And then the day before the test, I just felt this really sharp pain in my foot in practice, went for a scan and I'd got a stress fracture right through the middle of the ball of my foot. So I had to go home and spent, I think, six weeks in a protective boot, a moon boot. So yeah, that will be a very good reason why I didn't sign. Well, it's a sad story, and I'm sorry to hear that, but it would have made more sense. I mean, if you'd broken your writing hand, I could have understood that, but uh, I don't understand how a fracture through your foot would stop you signing this piece of memorabilia. Safran, sorry, did he did he break did he break a finger fielding? It was at that series? Because I'm trying um, to think what his excuse is. Yeah, I can't think. He might have been reading a book on philosophy and got lost in it and didn't make it to the signing <laughs> session. It's probably something along those lines. He's a disgustingly talented think, young man. I think actually he was, uh, he was quite funny actually, because he's so unbelievably intelligent. I don't think he could get his head around like some of the inane conversations that were had in the England dressing room whilst he was in there. I think that's might've been what finished him off with his cricket career. He just I, sat there I listening could... to me and Ben Stokes talking about absolutely nothing. I can <laughs> confirm that that is definitely the case because I, I went on the Bangladesh 
tour the following year and Zaffa was on that. And um, the England team would come down by the pool, have a little swim and then go off and do PlayStation and, and talk drivel. And Zaffa would sit reading the London Review of Books, no pictures whatsoever, just incredibly dense texts while preparing for his future career as Secretary General of the United Nations. And he'd just gently shake his head in bewildered wonder at the inanities that passed for team chat. <laughs> and um, so we bonded quite strongly on that. And one other thing that I've noticed is that the T20 bat that's right next to it, it's got a lot of very familiar names, a lot of guys still playing. I know you. I know which name you're going to say because I've spotted that as Willie. well. Right at the very bottom, right at the very bottom. I'm not even sure if that's how you spell his name either. But Stephen Parry, Stephen Parry, presumably, I'd forgotten. Yeah. Stephen Parry was in T20 squads. Yeah, another thing. I know, and and and, and even he took the time out of his day to sign the bat. But yeah. Finney, too big time. I'm afraid, too big time. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, now, Philly, whilst we've got you here, I, was, I wanted to ask you a question, actually, because do you remember last week we were talking about the most pointless ODI series ever between England and Australia and how ridiculously pointless it was and how none of the players looked like they wanted to be there, English or Australian. Got me wondering, obviously you're the ultimate pro and you give 110% in everything that you do, but what's the most meaningless game of cricket that you've ever played? There must have been some dead rubbers on a cold, horrible county championship game that you just thought, what am I doing here? There was, there was actually... There's one, well, there's two instances. One is my favourite game of first-class cricket ever, where all four days were rained off. Um, <laughs> not a ball was bowled. And we just played football against Sussex on an AstroTurf round the corner because the pitch was completely waterlogged, but it was dry and it wasn't raining, but the pitch was so wet, it was just impossible. You couldn't play. So we had some good like 11-on-11 11 11 games of football against Sussex on the Astro next door to the ground. And then... I think probably the most pointless game of cricket I've ever played was it rained again, another rain-affected game in Leicester, where it literally shat it down for four days straight. Like it wasn't, it, it just didn't stop raining for four days. But then on day four, at around 5.30, there was an opportunity to try and get a bonus point. And the coach had just got it in his head that he wanted us to win the toss and bowl at 5.30 on day four <laughs> and try and get a bonus point, just one bonus point. So in our quest to get promoted from Division 2. So I have a first-class game on my record, so it counts as a game where I didn't bowl a ball because I didn't open the bowling. We played half an hour. We got three Leicestershire wickets. 
and and walked off and got on the motorway and headed back home. So I was the biggest thanks for coming you've ever seen. Tim Murter, Tim Murter with with all three and on slate. No, it was Grace Tom guys. Helm actually. It was Tom Helm, oh. I think. Yeah, I think it was Murter and Helm who took the new ball, and I think I think they managed to get three wickets. Yeah, oh there you go. There's Ethel's bumhole. There's Ethel's ass. <laughs> Yay. Oh, and we didn't you know, see that last week. I've missed it so much. Yeah, yeah she is. Do you know, for, I should point out for new listeners, because believe it or not, the stats show that new people are joining this podcast all the time. God knows why. Stephen Finn has a cat called Ethel, and pretty much every week, at some point during the podcast, she walks in front of the camera and Julie shows us her arsehole. Um, <laughs> but what's funny is that I saw Ethel come into shots. First of all, I saw Dan's face light up when he saw Ethel because he really has quite an unnerving crush on her. And then <laughs> secondly, was that I knew at some point it was going to get commented on that Ethel was on the screen. So Finn, for the, imagine for the people listening at home that can't see this, Finney was just talking about this pointless game, talking about Tom Helm taking free wickets and then just mid-sentence went, oh, there you go, there's Ethel's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and Ethel is not the name of his cleaner. Which is uh, how no, we you kind to... of imagine most Ethels to be, really. Yeah, we need to make that abundantly clear. That That's a point. So if you get handed, when does it officially count as a game? As soon as there's a ball bowled, right? So if you get handed your England Well, test I think it's the toss. toss. I think as it's soon as toss. the toss, yeah. yeah oh, it's really? A toss. It's a toss, yeah. You can, you can literally, if you, get, if you play in a game where there's been a toss and then there's no further play, you get a cap. That's a result. You get an appearance fee. What a gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's, the dream, that's the dream game, isn't it? But there must be yeah, some... you get, oh, That's a good question. Do you get do you get the full match fee? I mean, if you're playing a test match and the toss took place on the fifth day, yeah, and then the rain came down again, do you get the full match fee? The ECB absolutely. would be absolutely fuming. Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if there's any stories out there of people who there must be over the years, somebody who literally got told the night before a test match, you're gonna make your England debut tomorrow, you're in the eleven, and then it chucked it down. They never did a toss. And then by the time the next tour came around, they were out of favour with the selectors. There's probably somebody who's just mm. missed out on an England appearance in, in the history of cricket. Well, if, if anybody knows, if there's any geeks listening that can suggest when that might have happened, we'd love to hear it. Um, now, Daniel, we've got a message for you here from a listener. This is oh. from Fred. He says, hi, I'm a relatively new listener and I'm catching up on a couple of the recent podcasts. I've now listened to more podcasts when Dan Norcross is drunk than sober. Yeah. Is this is this a regular thing? If so, please keep it up. Is there some <laughs> sort of fund we can donate to to provide yes. him with more alcohol? It's like you're like this, Daniel. It's like listening to your granddad on a Sunday afternoon when he's been out for a few pints before Sunday dinner. Fantastic ramblings about nothing. Anyway, keep up the good work. Right. Looking forward to future episodes. There's sort of granddad. Okay, there's, grand- there's compliments granddad. in there, and there's also huge scathing criticisms in there at the same time. It, it was a journey, emotional journey for you as a listener. I'd imagine hearing that. It was actually. It was. I, I came face to face with my own mortality again, which I have been doing quite a lot of late, especially when I coughed up something the size of Iceland the other day, which is, I mean, not literally, but it came out in the shape of Iceland. Only it was much more dark. It was more like it was more like the sort of the great sandy desert of Australia in the shape of it was literally in the shape of Iceland. It was very it's strange. How Iceland went, will, <laughs> if we don't listen to Greta Thunberg, it's how Iceland will look in about fifty years, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically that. Um, yes. Well, I'm I'm very, really sorry, Fred, but as I explained at the start of the podcast, I'm stone cold sober today. I, I expect to be back in mid-season form next week. With a bit of luck, I should be uh, on the source. But we keep on doing our podcast at the wrong time of day as well. So 
I mean, ordinarily, I can get drunk and rambly by four or five o'clock in the afternoon, especially in winter, because once it gets a bit dark, that's usually my excuse to to hit the source. But um, yes, a fund. I'm up for a fund. Or you could just send it in kind, really. Um, my favourite tipple is a, a Gavi, or a, nowadays, actually, I've, I've become quite partial to a, a, a dry Riesling. Um, plentiful amounts of dry Riesling. <laughs> it takes a couple of bottles to get me started. So there we Fred, go. Um, yeah. We need a PO box where our adoring fans can send alcohol, ideally. Yeah. That's what we, we do. Need to... Can Sal sort that out? That's what producers do, isn't it? Yeah, come on, Sal. Pull your finger out. Set us up a PO box for, so that the people can send Riesling to Norcross. Or a come booze on. drop-off. Just a booze drop-off. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> maybe Why don't we just we give out like... your home address? Let's give out your home address. <laughs> well, there's a church at the end of the road. Maybe they could drop it off there and I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Next time you next time you go there on a Sunday and they're doing the the, the what do you wine. Mean next time I go there, on yeah, a I Sunday. don't know why. Like you never go. <laughs> the next time they're doing the the, the bread and the wine, you, you'll just see an unmistakable riesling. You're like, I'm pretty sure that was that's, intended that's for fine. me. Actually, that's yeah, not Jesus's festival. blood. That's mine. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I've lived here 36 years and I've only ever been into that church to vote. <laughs> Um, now, we are talking about the Ashes a lot on the podcast at the minute, even though they're still quite a way away. It's exciting because it's next summer and I cannot wait for the Ashes to get underway. Now, exciting news. The bad news is Labashane looks really bloody good and Steve Smith looks really bloody good at the moment. That's the bad news. The good news is there's a little bit of infighting because Ooh. they're all falling out down under. They're all getting tetchy. So Justin Langer, still a bit upset about how his reign as the head coach of Australia ended. He referred to the people. Basically, the rumours are that players within the Langer dressing room complained to the Australian Cricket Board about his style of management. And Justin Langer said recently that the people that went behind his back and did that were cowards. Pat Cummins has now come out and said there are no cowards in the Australian cricket team. I can assure you of that. Uh, Justin Langer's now sort of backed down and said, oh, I didn't really mean it. Um, it's wonderful to see the Australians falling out. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing seeing a bit of Australian infighting. Just, just rewind a bit. Mm -hmm. No cowards. No cowards in the Australian team. This is the Australian team, most of whom played in South Africa during Sandpapergate and left Cameron Bancroft out to dry. This is a South African team with all the bowling attack, exactly the same bowlers who claimed that they had absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. No cowards at all. No, no, no nobody who's, who's this is, taken this any is the Australian cricket team who refused to tour at even a hint of danger, at any any opportunity to yeah. cancel a tour. The Australians are the first to cancel it. They didn't play any cricket in lockdown whilst the poor England team was being dragged all over the globe to try and keep cricket alive and well. Yes, that Australian cricket team are claiming there's no cowards in that Australian cricket dressing room. Wow. You know. Justin Langer, he doesn't always speak sense, but on this occasion, I'm with you, Justin. I'm with you here. He's, now, he's a very intense guy. Finney, have you ever, ever been coached or spent any time with him? Because he, he's got that thing with the crazy eyes. He's scary. quiet he, voice. He, he does serial killer eyes. He does the eyes. thing where you ask him. I mean, I've not spent that much time with him, but he like, I've seen people ask him a question. He sort of looks at them for two or three seconds without oh. saying anything, as if he's just sizing you up. And then he's and then he says whatever he's going to say. But those few seconds, you think it could go either way here. He's either going to absolutely flip his lid at me, or he's going to give 
a calm, measured response. Yeah, he's he does karate, doesn't he? Does he do? Is he? Is it karate? Still, karate, my karate. my favorite bit of that documentary, the one where it was oh, on Australians, all the best blokes in the world. That one, the the bit where he boots the bin when they get the review wrong, and then he realizes there's a camera watching him, so he has to pick it all up off the floor. <laughs> that <laughs> is a know- wonderful, wonderful piece of. Um, piece of documentary that's that is sums up Justin Langer because he always looks on the brink of either basically saying something nice about you or murdering you and nothing in between that kicking of the bin and then picking it up is a microcosm of Justin Langer because you're so right on the one hand he looks terrifying and you know he's calling people cowards and he looks like he'd snap your neck off and then at other points he's telling them about Oh guys, you're really you're really good guys. And why don't we take our shoes off and walk around the outfield and you know become one with nature? He's such a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, it gives me the feeling. There's a really brilliant bloke who does a fantastic impersonation of him on Twitter, and uh, the, the way he sort of does it is by just staring at the camera and making his pupils as wide as humanly possible. <laughs> and that has always been to me, Justin Langer. He's intense. Yeah. I can like, kind of understand why people didn't want to be coached by him any longer. Yeah. I mean, he might be a very good coach, but it would kind of spook you out on a day-to-day basis, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's a sort of Gandhi Ted Bundy hybrid. You don't know what <laughs> you, don't... <laughs> you don't know which one you're going to get. You ask him a question, and in those two seconds, you're like, "Am I getting Gandhi or am I getting Bundy?" And you just find <laughs> out there and then, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, hopefully we're adding here to the war of words in the build-up to the ashes. Hopefully, hopefully this this podcast filters its way back to Australia. Um, if, in fact, when they say six degrees of separation, everybody can be linked around the world by six people. So if anyone knows Justin Langer or knows someone who might, please pass this podcast on to him. We want to upset the Aussies mm-hmm. as much as possible before or, next or, or Gandhi or Bundy, because yeah. they're, they're all again. <laughs> they're, they're all, all now lumped together exactly. into one strange gestalt. <laughs> Now, Finney, genuinely, I was looking at, you know, Steve Smith brought brought the ashes up and brought England up and had a bit of a pop at Sam Curran in, uh, in that ODI series, that pointless ODI series the other day. Genuinely, did you get any, did you guys talk about, do you have team meetings about or plans for handling of the media and discussions around the ashes? Did you sort of get things like, this is our attitude in the press, or if you get asked this, this is what we're going to say and a sign of unity and... Don't be afraid to go for the Aussies because the Aussies definitely seem to plan having a bit of a pop at England in the press before a series. It's not It's not something that's widely discussed. No, I think when you go to Australia, you anticipate that you're going to get a hard, um, a hard time of it. And I think you prepare yourself a little bit for that. But but yeah, in the build up to a series, it's not very English of us, is it, to be running our mouth about stuff. You'd rather just slip into the series quietly and concentrate on your cricket. That's always the attitude I took towards it. And also, they were, they're fantastic players. I wasn't good enough to be going around making bold predictions because I was just trying to get into the team for the first test match, let alone let alone throw wild predictions around. So I think we leave that to the Australians and probably will continue to do so. Yeah, but you but you won quite a lot. And the thing mm. is that once, once Aussies win, because they're really, really good at not being able to anticipate the future when they might lose. So, you know, once if they win, they do become quite insufferable. Whereas, I mean, surely Graham Swan, and I, I love Swanee dearly, but surely he he must have been able to shoot his mouth off a little bit and be a bit more. Well, yeah, we had those we had those um Ashes diaries, didn't we, in 10-11? Mm. Um 
that was shown on YouTube. And and yeah, that 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 was good fun. That was almost poking fun a, a, a little bit. Like we called our blue caps the baggy blues, like to wind up the Australians. Like little things like that that you sort of know will get under their skin if they catch wind of it. The sprinkler dance, like imagine being sat in the dressing room watching the TV when you've just lost the ashes and you've got the visiting team on the outfield at the MCG doing a sprinkler dance in front of all their <laughs> travelling fans. Like Nothing would have pissed me off more if I was in the Australian dressing room. So I'd say the way the English tend to do it is maybe slightly different and not quite as brash. See, I think the way to do it is the, abs- the sprinkler is the perfect way of doing it because if you run your mouth off in the build-up to a series, there's a chance of it all going catastrophically wrong. There's a chance of you having a bad series and losing the Ashes. Once the Ashes are safely on the flight back to England, then really let rip. Be a real cocky bastard. That's that's, that's the way that's to pro- do it. That's proper cowardice, that is. Absolutely that's the marvelous. perfect and then, and, way. And then announce your retirement. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's it. And <laughs> so that, you yeah, never have to it. face Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood and Pat Wasn't it Nico Rosberg again? in the Formula One purposely basically retired when he won the driver's title because he knew that Lewis Hamilton would hate not ever winning it back off him? So he just literally, he was only like, for a driver, he was young. He was like, right, won the world title. Don't want to give Lewis Hamilton the satisfaction of ever winning it off me so I can retire and always say I was the better driver. That's the way to do it. Yeah, that's how I'd do it. Beauty of hindsight. The beauty of hindsight. Well, I look forward to the build-up to the Ashes. Um, And in the meantime, Australia are playing the West Indies at the minute and looking a little bit worryingly good, but it's only day one. It's all going to go horribly wrong. It's all going to blow up in their face. Chaps, lovely to see you both. And oh, Norcross has got something he wants to get off his chest. Well, not off my chest. Just one last thing. I I saw a picture of you at a a concert or a gig of some kind. I think we call it gig now, yes. Is that right? Is that right? Yes, marvellous. And uh, didn't you meet our listener? I did. Well, our, our other listener, because it turns out that we got two with Fred. I, although Fred's, Fred's on catch-up mode at the moment. So uh... I'm, I'm so yes, I'm so sorry that I forgot to mention that actually. Yes, so I uh, I was at a Kasabian gig, and as the crowd dispersed, uh, up came Jack, avid Zero Ducks given listener, and we posed for a photo. So I can officially say that I have now met our one and only listener, or one and a half if you include the bloke that's listening to old episodes on catch-up. Um, he's now met. You, Norcross, before, hasn't he, Jack? Mm, that's right, yeah. And has he met you, Trafford. Finney? Yeah. I'm not sure if he's met Finney now, but he's nearly completed the uh, Zero Dots Given Panini sticker book. Yeah, I met a fella in Edinburgh, actually. I was, I mean, blind drunk at the time at about three o'clock in the morning, three, four o'clock in the morning. And Precious a fella week, came up to me, <laughs> I think he might have been 22, actually, not 21. Um, but I, yeah, a fella came up to me now. I'm sort of having flashbacks saying, I, I listened to you, Toby, and Norcross on zero ducks i was like i'm in scotland i'm battered and there's a fella talking to me about the podcast um i can't remember his name but he might well be listening so um it, it was nice to meet you certainly let's, let's call him let's call him angus for the sake of it yeah and uh and to his lovely his, his very fragrant girlfriend morag good day morag <laughs> well angus morag thank you for listening and uh we hope you'll join us next week good to see you both guys speak soon Farewell. enjoy emotional Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.